Welcome to the 3 and D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, uh, joining you uh, this uh, Sunday evening, and uh, I am proud uh, to welcome uh, a dear friend of mine, the show, everything in general, Mark King, host of Locked on Grizzlies. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That 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 podcast quality is pristine. Uh, you must you must have dropped a couple of thousand on it, right? You know, when you got when you have to you got to support the talents. You know, like it is what it is. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding. laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, um, as most know, Mark, um, um, I, I I have a lot that I owe Mark. Just to, as good of a friend as as he's been for me, and uh, obviously he's the one who uh, helped us get this podcast lot podcast launched off and he's been on the show before so again mark we thank you um for being here um you can find uh, my information as well as regular co-host justin lewis's information on twitter you can follow us at three and d pod myself at stats sac and also um uh justin at j underscore timber fake underscore all a part of the sbn nation podcast network SBN, SBN Grizzlies on Twitter, Stitcher, Apple, anywhere you can find podcasts. But Mark, want to get right into it. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't know. It just feels like every week now we've been talking about positive things in regards to the Grizzlies, you know, leading up to the All-Star break, the All-Star break. They're 23 and 15 since the beginning of December. So there's plenty of positives to talk about. But this time after this weekend, it seems like Right now, we're we're in a valley, and a valley that we've not been in, you know, for a while. I'm not trying to make this sound dramatic, but two straight losses coming off the All-Star break, and now the injury to Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, what are you thinking about it? What's your feeling right now, you know, getting the stretch run started? Well, I mean, you know, like the, the game against the Kings, and really, frankly, the game against the Lakers as well, you, you know, you can't. You can't give any NBA teams leads of 20-plus or 18-plus, whatever it was, against the right. Kings. It just doesn't work like that. Not in the NBA. You can't do it. And, you know, expect to be able to get back to that in this in those scenarios. Just um, It's just not feasible, you know. It, you know, But the Lakers are a good team. I mean, they're like, what, have 10, 12 losses right now in the, in the season? So, like, I mean, they're just a really good team. So, like, that I, – I always expected to lose that game. I expected them to lose against the Clippers. I expect them to lose against the Houston Rockets. They have better players than they are just a better team overall. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of gloom and doom over the next few weeks because they're probably going to lose a lot of games because they're playing teams that are, frankly, just a lot better than them. They're, you know, first and second three seeds in Eastern and Western conferences. And so that that's, you know, what what on these podcasts, my, mine included, as, as well as yours here, they might sound like a lot of gloom and doom and just talking about a lot of losses, but that's what it's always going to be. It was never going to be anything different, even with Jaron Jackson Jr., to be quite frankly. Uh, they're still going to have a really tough time winning against those teams. I mean, you could say the outlier was the Sacramento Kings because, um, you know, they're just not as good as the team as the Grizzlies. And that's true. They should have won that game. That was the game that they really needed to win. Uh, and again, that goes back to the whole thing. You just can't give teams leads that are 18 plus and expect to get back into those games is it takes so much effort just to get back into them. And then it takes more effort to get tied. And then it takes even more effort to get over the hump. And so you, you can't, and in those situations, you are not allowed any mistakes. And you saw down the stretch against the Kings game, you know, rookie mistakes by jaw with the, with the uh, three throw, you know, entering the lane too early rookie mistakes by jaw, uh, not letting Jaron get his screen set and getting the offensive uh, offensive turnover. So, I mean, you can't allow yourself for any mistakes when you get down that big and then try to get back into the game. So, 
you know that 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 game against the Kings looks bad. I mean, there are trends that are not not great for this team right now. Not shooting the ball great. A lot of things happening that that are not where they were in January. But at the same time, you know, people need to remember that you know the the teams they're playing are just really good at NBA basketball. Like they're some of the best teams in the entire uh, entire league. So just be be prepared for a lot of losses because because they're going to come. And when you get wins, just be happy you get them. And and just frankly, just uh, you need to be able to steal one. Just kind of move on because uh, they're going to stack up pretty soon. I agree completely. Um, and that's just, unfortunately, that is just part of the equation. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that um, when it comes to the Grizzlies, you know, I, I'm writing a piece right now talking about kind of how um, towards the end of the first half, defense had really kind of taken over, you know, as being our calling card, as being our strength, due to the fact that, you know, different players are being featured in rotations. Jaron, Brandon, they've both been playing better as far as their defense goes. But the thing that I'm getting at is, is that this team, while it is consistently evolving, they're still a young team. And so with the schedule getting, you know, in January, everything was kind of in their favor. They were playing at home, playing against um, um, weak teams, um, and, and basically they were healthy. Now, health is not where it was. Travel is going to be more intense. We, we travel the most miles out of anybody after the All-Star break, plus we have the toughest schedule. It's going to be a very tough road for the Grizzlies to be able to you know, make it. And I understand that two losses are, are two losses. As a matter of fact, this is only the second time that the Grizzlies have experienced consecutive losses since December 18th and 20th. They've only lost back-to-back games one other time over the past two months. But that's that's the way it's going to be. And now with Jaron being out, your offense now becomes, you know, a, a bit more limited. And and that's the thing that I want to get into with you, Mark, is that, you know, what do you think the Grizzlies are going to be losing most with Jaron Jackson Jr. not in the equation, at least over the next two weeks? And, and based off what you think their biggest, um, you know, the standout reason why Jaron's absence is going to be there. How do you think they compensate? How are the Grizzlies going to make up for the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr.? Well, I mean, their biggest their biggest loss for Jaron is going to be on defense. I mean, what he was able to do over the past few weeks and maybe a month or so in terms of his ability to, to switch that athletic lineup that we love so much with DeAnthony and uh, Brandon, you know, Jod, sometimes Tyus, but Brandon and, and Jonas together – and then Josh Jackson, we've seen the past couple games, has worked really well as well. So, like, that lineup there that was super athletic, able to get it down the court, really able to switch everything. Like, you can't you can't do that anymore. This, that lineup doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, for the Grizzlies. And so they're going to lose a lot on defense. Lose a lot, you know, Sharon had really come into his own defensively over the last month, you know, shot blocking. I mean, just being able to stay on wings on the perimeter, you know, not necessarily guard them super well, but he's not getting burnt out there on the perimeter by a lot of wings. So, you know, that that's sort of the biggest thing for me is that his defense was really coming on. And I thought it was something that um, was, I would not really talked about a lot because it's over, you know, it's overshadowed by his three point percentage and his, his shooting and his offense. But um what he's able to do, what the flexibility he's able to give you defensively in terms of switching and just what he's able, what he's able to guard different players, like that's huge. That's huge for the Grizzlies because you can't do that with Jonas Valanciunas. You know, Jonas barely guards the fives. 
Um, and if you have an athletic big out there in Jonas, you have no hope because they were what they were doing is they were actually shading Jaron over to the Jonas's other man when he had more of an athletic big out on the perimeter. So like Jonas would never, ever he never comes out the perimeter at all, no matter what. And so they were actually shading Jaron over to that that pick and pop shooter when they needed to to help compensate for that. And so you know you don't get that anymore with Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, you know in terms of Jonas and Jaron. Now you hopefully you probably try to mitigate that with Brandon, um, but Brandon's not as long as Jaron. I mean, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're what they're going to do defensively. Now Brandon can probably guard more threes than Jaron could, and so I, I don't know, really know. Um, what they'll do, it'll be interesting against the Clippers, what they do with, with Jonas and, and Brandon or who the starting lineup is, really, quite frankly. Um, and then, you know, what they do with Jing, you know, the, the Jing out there with Clark, uh, they gave you some switchability. But the whole reason they brought Jing and, and Jordan Bell in, it was to give you more depth on on the backup bigs, to have that regular kind of four-man rotation of Jaron, Brandon, Jing, and Jonas. And so now they've kind of lost that already. So I'll be interested to see if they go small, which I would probably – I would. That's what I would probably rather them do: is go small with, with maybe Kyle at the four sometimes when needed to, uh, instead of putting Jordan Bell in there. I just think that there's not enough minutes, and I think their, their their offense is better. We've seen it all year when they're when they're pushing the offense, pushing the tempo, and I think a smaller lineup would would really do wonders for you. But the Grizzlies on offense are going to miss Jaron shooting. You know, he's the second leading scorer on the on the team right now, 17 points a game. So there's a lot to make up. You, know, you don't just get 17 points out of nowhere. And there's not a whole lot of the guys on the team that you can look to and go, okay, that guy can get me 17 points. I mean, Jonas maybe on some nights, but he is already doing that some nights. And so, uh, you know, that's probably not where you're you're, you're going to get your points from. Brandon Clark is not a guy who can go out and get you buckets. He kind of – he scores more off reactionary passes, uh, lobs, things like that. So – you know, Dylan is probably the guy you'd have to look to and say, hey, we need, you know, he's got to have to step up. But at the same time, Dylan is really struggling from the, from the, uh, from the around the perimeter and really struggling altogether just with a shot. So, you know, you look to hopefully Dylan to get back on track, hopefully to shoot the ball more, but you know, they're going to have to do a lot of creative things. And I think their best option on offense is, is always been their best option is push the tempo, get up and down the court. You know, play good defense, and even when you play good defense, and they still score the basket, score the basketball, get the ball out, take it out as quickly as possible, and get up and down the court. That have we seen over and over again, as when they when they get down, that's how they're getting back into these games. That's how they push big leads. Like that is their friend, their best friend in scenario, especially with Jaron out. Like I had mentioned, you know, my, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, yes, his defense has been. Uh, just it, it, he's coming to his own. He started to show flashes of what made him, you know, the sky's the limit for his ceiling, such a special talent. But, you know, just looking at the offense in general, like I had mentioned, the Grizzlies are 23 and 15 since December 1st. That basically was about 11 weeks ago, so nearly three months. But cut that time frame in half. Before January 15th, the Grizzlies were 14 and 9. Since then, uh, they now are 9 and 6. But, you know, Mark, looking between December 1st and January 15th, the Grizzlies, seventh in the NBA in three-point percentage. They were seventh in offensive rating. They were fourth in effective field goal percentage and second in true shooting percentage. Unfortunately, though, since that time, since trades and you know Dylan and, and Jaron and others have kind of regressed a little bit, the Grizzlies are back to you know now being a below-average NBA offense since the um, January fifteenth. They now are 22nd in offensive rating. They're 22nd in effective field goal percentage, and they are 26th in through shooting percentage. 
A big reason why, before January 15th, they were seventh in the NBA in three-point percentage. Since then, the Grizzlies are the, uh, over the past six weeks have been the worst team in the NBA in shooting beyond 20 feet. So you mentioned it, and I think this is the biggest thing. Where is your outside shooting going to come from? Unless Dylan gets on a tear like he did in January, and it's going to be hard doing seeing him doing that because he doesn't perform that well against above 500 teams, where are your where's your um shooting going to come from? And if you don't have that shooting, now your offense becomes limited. People are going to pack the paint because they know the Grizzlies like to get in the paint for their floaters and their looks down low. So your offense now becomes limited. How do you overcome that? Like you said, you use the tempo game. The other part of the offense that's really going to have to step up is the um, uh, a passing game. Uh, the Grizzlies are still near the top of the NBA in passing. Well, they're going to have to do it even more now. Good passing on the in in the uh, fast break opportunities, limiting turnovers, using Tyus, using Jaw, using DeAnthony and Kyle to facilitate opportunities. I think that it, through passing as well as the fast break, like you mentioned, that's how they're going to make up for it. But looking at the guys who could step in, we mentioned Clark, we mentioned um, you know Kyle Anderson. Now, what about the bigs? Not just Dang, but also Josh Jackson and Jordan Bell. I mean, I think that they probably step up and have a bigger role now. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of guys that are gonna obviously have to step up. You know, everybody's gonna have to the rebounding that you don't really miss a whole lot of rebounding from Jam, but what you do miss, everybody has to step up and take part. Same thing with the offense. Everybody has to step up and, and, and do a little bit more. And this probably two weeks, but more likely more like three weeks. Um, that Jaren's going to be out. And so, you know, they, they've they've shown they've been very precautionary with all their guys this year, um, as with Justice Winslow, you can tell right now. So uh, this is the front office is not going to rush anybody back, especially not their franchise uh, superstar for sure. So uh, in a season where it really doesn't matter. So everybody is going to have to step up. You know, the, the three-point shooting is interesting because they were – I won't say that, you know, the the when they were shooting it really well, I won't say that that was like – you know, just on a really good tear. And that's really like, you know, this is more like regression to the mean, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of that, you know, I think it's a little bit of, I, I think it's a little bit of coming back down to earth. You know, you have Dylan that yeah. was never going to shoot as much as he did, but at the same time um, when people are hitting them, like that's the offense that Taylor Jenkinson has, has instilled. And so, you know, when they are hitting them, they were doing a really good job. Like that was the height of what Taylor's offense is, but you notice in that same kind of stat category, they're not taking as many. As they were, so they they, they they have not taken as I think they're still like they were taking like thirty five a game or something like that. I mean, it was a lot. Like it was a lot they were taking a game. Um, but you know, obviously with that, you the more you take, the more opportunities you're gonna have. And so uh, again, that's why I say it was. I don't think it's like a regression to the mean because they were taking a lot and they're having more opportunities to make that. And so if you you increase the attempts back up, maybe those those percentages creep back up. This is what I'm trying to say. So you know, the Grizzlies have to, to take, they got to let it fly. They got to take more. Like they got to get back to what they were doing before, but also starts with, you mentioned the passing, the assists have gone down over the last 10 games. They're not where they, they were not where they were. They, they were, I wouldn't say they were number one in a league for a long time. I don't know if they're still number one or not. They might be, but they were number one a long time for assists per game. And it's because they were having like nights where you'd have like, you know, 30 made baskets on 22 assists or something like which is, is just an insane number. It's, it's usually high. Uh, but that starts with John Rant. You know, like he's not been as good. I know he ends up with more points in the end on some of these games, you know, than you expect him to. Like the Kings game, he ends up with 18 points, but he did not play well. 
he did not play well at all. And you can't, you know, let an 18 point game go, oh, well, he had 18 points. He had a good game. That's not true because he got 18 points in a time when it didn't matter. So, um, you know, that starts with John Morant, the passing, getting people open, getting, you know, creating more shots. Uh, starts with John Morant. I know it sounds crazy to ask that much of a point guard in his rookie year, but he has shown that he can handle it and, and is capable of it. So uh, I think, you know, John Morant getting back to pressing early instead of being more passive um, in terms of what he's doing in the first and second quarters, like getting him back to pushing the tempo early, taking over the game, you know, and getting all those guys involved because a lot of those passes uh, come off of John Morant. At the same time, their offense has not moved in their half court offense. It has not moved side to side enough. You know, the, they talked with Tyus Jones a couple weeks ago. Their offense is predicated on movement from side to side. Okay. Getting the defense going in lateral directions. Once you get the defense going in lateral directions enough, the open shots will, will come after that for the three pointers. And so that's, if you look at their offense in the last, you know, few games, probably even go back to the all-star break and the half court sets, it's just not enough movement. Um, around there it's not that the DT events is not respecting the shooters it's not anything like that it's just not enough movement on the Grizzlies offense side to side laterally that which you open three pointers and so then they have to rely on fast break opportunities and when they don't get any pressure or tempo then you get into a situation where they start you know, run half court sets and they get into this like lull where they just they just stop they just they just stagnate and they, they can't remember how to get back to what they were going to do earlier because their half court offenses are working they're not getting out in transition so um you know, a lot of that just it kind of just snowballs once you get into that situation in terms of the offense and, and what they're doing, you know, and, and if you're missing shots, that leads to open breaks for the other team, transition shots, easy rebounds, things like that. So, like, there's a lot that goes into it and just saying, okay, you got to take more three-pointers because everything's connected, you know, like everything, you know, the passing starts, you go to get things moving from lot side to side. Then you get more open threes. You take more open threes. You get your attempts up. Maybe you get your attempts up. Maybe your three-point percentage comes back up. Maybe the offensive rating comes back. So it's all connected in terms of what they're doing. So it's hard to point to just one thing and say, this is exactly what they have to do to, to increase that. And that's true. But you you can't just do that without doing a bunch of other things. And that's the thing about it. You know, the, the other things that you just mentioned, I think that that definitely, you know, becomes much more important as well. Because the one thing that the Grizzlies cannot fall into the trap of is trying to make other people do things outside of their talent scopes to make up for the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr. The Grizzlies have shown the ability, a very good ability, to embrace the skill sets that are there, embrace the skill sets that are featured, and from there kind of evolve their game plan to that. And now with Jaron Jackson Jr. out, you're going to see more of Kyle Anderson, even more than you see now. You're going to see more of Josh Jackson. You're going to see more of Brandon Clark. And the thing about it is, is that it, it, to me, it's no coincidence that, as I mentioned earlier, the Grizzlies have transformed from being one of the league's best offenses to now, over the past month, being one of the league's best defenses due to the emergence of DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, you know, Josh Jackson. Right, and it's all, it's all personnel. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's all exactly. personnel related. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's the thing about it is that using the defense as a way to kind of set up the offense, getting more stops on the perimeter to get fast breaks, being able to make, you know, being able to now have more rebounding ability now that you're going to have Dang and Clark and Bell in the game. So use focusing on ways to use the defense more as a way to to set up the offense, I think is going to be huge going forward. And, you know, that's the other thing that I'll ask about it, Mark, is, you know, we've got, you know, we got, we got to, in my opinion, we got to get a win. 
over the next couple of games against um, the uh, the Clippers and the Rockets. And then, you know, early March becomes a little bit um, easier to navigate. But, I mean, tell us what you think. The Grizzlies just don't have the margin for error anymore to be given up you know, losses in future games like to the Kings when they play them on the 28th or to the um, uh, Nets or to the Hawks. They have to sit here and, and, and any game against a team under 500, they really can't afford to lose anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Sacramento Kings, you look at, they're coming to the Grizzlies, uh, to the FedEx Forum on Friday. So, like, that's your next best chance is Friday night against the Sacramento Kings to um, to run them out of the building and hopefully do what they did to you. But, um, you know, the Clippers and the Rockets, they have the cut up this week, Monday and Wednesday. Those are, you know, if you get a win there, that's it's, that's great. But I wouldn't expect it. I don't expect them to get wins there. And you shouldn't because, again, some of the best teams in the league. But you had the Kings after that. That's your next best chance. But then you had the Lakers again. And, yes, they're at home. But, uh, you know, it's still not going to look great. You know, the only help, like the only, I think, probably helpful hints or, or helpful ideas you have in a later schedule is maybe those, some of those guys start rested. You know, maybe you look at the end of the schedule where you have Denver and you have, uh, you know, the 76 or, you know, how you have the bucks, maybe, maybe they start resting Giannis. Maybe they're, you know, they don't bring their full lineup. You know, I, they, after you get outside of this week though, you know, once you get through and, and you get into March, the first week of March, you've got the Hawks, you've got the nets, you've got the Mavericks, you get the Hawks again, and then the Magic. You know, there's a lot of games that are more winnable games. You you, you got to still got to play Portland twice. You still got to play the Pelicans twice. Um, you still got to play the Oklahoma City. So like, there's a lot of a lot of games left that against teams that are directly in front of you or behind you that are all going to matter. And so you can still take some of these losses against again the Clippers, the Rockets, the Lakers. All those losses you're going to take and still be all right. You know they're going to be fine in terms of the playoff race because again you get to play Portland twice. You got to play um, you got to play the Pelicans twice. And so you win you know you win the games you're supposed to win, especially against the teams that are right behind you in the standings. And you're going to be fine. You're going to be you're going to be okay because once you get out of this next week and a half. You get a lot of games left in the in the um, in the regular season. Again, there are games against the Raptors you have to play twice. The Celtics, and they're really good teams. They're going to take losses on those games. But maybe those are the games, and maybe they maybe they rest some people if they're looking towards the playoffs. And they're trying to rest rest some of their best players. Maybe you catch uh, those guys on a bad night because you play the Raptors back to back. So in a weird kind of like you you play here and then go there the next uh, two nights later. So maybe they rest people. I don't know, but. Um, I, I I know it's a tough schedule, but there are 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 games in there who you play against, like like the Portland and the the Pelicans games that are important and still can make a you know you you still can get the tiebreaker out of those. So if it comes down to it, you'll still have the spot in terms of the playoffs. And the mar and the stretch that Mark is talking about is between March twelfth and March twenty fourth. In that stretch, the Grizzlies have two games against the Pelicans, one against the Trailblazers, and then they also have one against the uh, Thunder and one against the Spurs. They'll be playing the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs all on the road. So Mark hits the nail on the head. You do have those games, and if you could do well in those, it's really going to help your chance because there's a two game swing there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I certainly do agree that becomes a stretch. Um, that you've got to focus on playing well, despite, you know, how you may play over the next um, game or two without Jaron. Mark, wanted to ask you a couple questions, though, in terms of, of the locker room in general. Um, you know, we saw a festive locker room, fun locker room while they were winning. Obviously, we got through the Andre Iguodala, you know, uh, beef tour, whatever it was before the trade deadline. But now, you know, coming back from a break, 
on the road more, things such as that. You know, since the Grizzlies' young players are now in a grind of a season past the point that they had been previously, is there a change in the locker room? Is it still upbeat? You know, everything's kind of the same as it has always been? Or do you see it kind of evolving? Do you see them, you know, really getting into a mindset to handle the grind, you know, that's, that they're in the midst of and is right in front of them? You know, it's a young locker room. You know, like it, it, it's always going to be kind of, kind of upbeat and loose just because it's the kind of the nature. Um, it, it's they're young kids. They like to have fun. They're, they're playing, obviously, um, a, a, the game of basketball for a living. So for them, it's a dream kind of come true. And they're just kind of living it right now. Um, and, you, and you find that a lot with the young players. They just they're just happy to be there, honestly. And so uh, they're kids. You know, John Morant's 19 years old. <laughs> like these kids are 19 and 20 years old. They're, they're kids. Um, and so, and that's great. I, I'd rather have that locker room. You know, we, we went through a lot of years of the locker room of, of Mark and, and, and Mike and, um, I love Mike and Mark, but Mark was the very, I mean, you know, not a, not a, he's not Jaron, you know, Jaron is, is yeah. the, is the, is the goofball. Um, if anything, you see John Morant come around more to being, uh, more open. Uh, the beginning of the year, he was very closed. He would answer the questions and, and that's it. And now, um, you can sit there and have a conversation with John Morant about whatever you know about any to play in the game. And he'll sit there and talk for 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 several minutes on, on each play. And he, you know, the, the fascinating thing about John Morant is, you know, I said this on my show is that he can sit there and tell you exactly what happened in that play, and no matter you know, he tell you exactly how it happened, where it happened, why it happened, um, because uh, he sees it all in slow motion. And it's amazing to hear him break down those plays that happen in, in seconds uh, in terms of him finding people in different outlets. So um, if anything, John Rant's become more open. You know, he's, he's been able to talk to the media a little bit easier. You know, the beginning of the year, that was not the case. Um, you know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really fun locker room. It's a really easygoing locker room. They, they're guys that just, again, they're having fun. They understand what it takes to win games. They understand that – you know, it's a business. They understand that this is what their job is to do, but it also, um, they're also going to have fun while they're doing it. And I agree with you. You know, if you look at Twitter and things like that, you kind of see um, that John Morant's personality has blossomed and, you know, he, he truly understands he's keeping grounded, but he also seems to be, you know, he's going to embrace avenues that is going to build his brand because his brand is beyond Memphis. His brand, he's an NBA superstar type talent, and he, he has every right to be able to expand that. Getting to kind of my last question in regards to the Grizzlies, you know, I have mentioned the name um, Damian Lillard, not as a way to compare Jaws game to Damian, but in the hopes that that's kind of how Jaws persona becomes. Yes, he's his own guy. He is who he is. But that commitment to Memphis, like Dame has shown, you know, committed to Portland. Do you start to see the roots being buried in that? You know, do, do you feel that Jaw is developing that to where you truly see, you know, I'm not asking about what your prediction is five years from now, but that, you know, you see him at Tigers games, you see him at Hustle games. It really seems like that Jaw is embracing Memphis and, and really sees the value added in playing in a small market like Memphis. Oh, he's happy to be here. You know, like, I mean, John's also a, he's a basketball junkie. You know, like he, he cannot always, he can't get enough basketball. That's just, that's who he is um, as a person. So uh, in that sense, he's a little, he's not like everybody else. You know, he loves to watch basketball. That's why he's always at those games. Um, and I can tell you right now, five years from now, prediction is the Grizzlies will max him out and he'll be in here for another five years. Uh, it's what it is. And so, um, you know, the good thing about the way the NBA is structured is when you have a superstar, and it's the same thing in case for Damian Lillard, is when you have a superstar, you know, you can retain, retain control of that player 
for a long time. You know, you have a four-year uh, deal in terms of the Grizzlies, you know, the rookie deal. You have a two-year with a two-year team option, and then you have a five-year max when you have his bird rights. And so, um, in terms of what the you know Portland deal with Dame, it's the same thing. You know, they he got to that that contract, and they maxed him out, and he, they kept on moving forward. And so, once you spend nine years in a place. Um, you, you definitely develop, a, I would say, develop a love for that. And you don't, you don't, you know, the only way Ja gets out of this city is, is he, if he says, I'm never playing until you trade me. That's the only way Ja Morant gets out of the city. And it just doesn't happen a lot in terms of rookies. They just kind of buy their time. Um, he's obviously a different rookie than most, but, uh, you know, the Grizzlies are going to have retain his, retain his rights and control for a long time. And I wouldn't expect them to do anything other than that. But that would just be stupid if they did anything other than that. And, and um, you know, once you get, I think, once you get to that end of that nine years, and, you know, I, I think that you have developed a love for a certain city. And, and it really always goes around to like what teams put around players. You know, like you saw with, with, with Mike Conley, like Mike Conley never really had a good wing around him. Like you, I love Tony Allen. You can say what you want about Tony Allen, but he was not an, he was not the offensive superstar. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that really, those players, um, you know, once you get that far into your career, um, it's more about winning. You know, early on, it's more about money and because you want to make your money. And so that's why you see a lot of guys go to, to the crappy teams. Well, because they get paid to go to crappy teams. That's why, you know, the Suns and the Knicks can still get people to come to their teams because they get money and to spend. And so, um, early on, it's about money. Later on, it's about winning. And so it's really more about what the team does around Ja. And so you can, you know, if they never do anything with Ja and he continues to lose and he continues to have these kind of seasons where it's 20 wins or 30 wins or whatever that is, you know, that takes a toll on anybody. And you, no matter how much you love the city, um, if you're not putting people around them to win, they're going to want out. It doesn't matter. I mean, you look at Mark. I mean, Mark loved the city, but he wanted out, like, at the end of the time. Like, he wanted to be gone. He was tired of it. Um, and so – uh, he didn't. He didn't necessarily not want to be in Memphis, but he didn't want to play for Memphis anymore. And so he, he goes the same way for Ja. They don't ever put anything around Ja. If they don't ever do anything that, to support Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., they're going to be gone too. And that's why it's important to to take care of your superstars because those guys are the guys that you can sell tickets and win games. And so it's not you know. And I think this front office would do that. I mean, they've shown every every ability so far in the, in inside of a year to turn this franchise completely around with the players they brought in. So. Um, you know, I have full faith in this front office until they show me not to, until they show, you know, I have, I'm not going to doubt them until they give me a chance to doubt them. So, and, and, and that's everyone else should have the same attitude. They've done nothing, nothing wrong so far. Um, you could maybe say Marco Goodrich was a miss and that's going to happen. So, uh, but they've done everything they could do. And I expect them to do the same with John Morant. And a couple of things you hit on that I agree with completely that, you know, I'm not trying to cause speculation here or anything. It's just, you know, it's an interesting topic to talk about. But if he's a basketball junkie, they're in a better atmosphere than him than Memphis. The difference between this superstar versus you know it turning out like an Anthony Davis in New Orleans or Kyle Anthony Towns in Minnesota situation, this front office is surrounding him with talent around his age that's very good. And like you said, the front office has done nothing but um, a great job getting this rebuild. So they're doing everything right. So it's it's fun to see. You know, it, it, it again, it's nice to it be this time of year and the future be so much brighter than it was a year or two later. Mark, before we head off for, for, for uh, another week, just want to ask you, how's everything been going? Um, I, what other pr- projects, things do you have coming on? Me and you being Titans and Grizzlies fans, we've kind of been spoiled over the past few months, but what else is going on around Memphis that you've got going on and what are you looking forward to? 
You know, I wish the uh, obviously I'm a University of Tigers alum, so I wish the uh, the Tigers would be playing better. Uh, but uh, looking forward to see what the Tigers could do the last stretch run, see if they can uh, find a way to make the tournament. But of course, you know, always Grizzlies stuff. Um, that's always fun. Again, we'll have a podcast obviously every day, Locked On Grizzlies, that you guys know all, so everybody can check that out. So we'll, we'll be talking Grizzlies, but hopefully my Tigers. Um, yeah, they can uh, they can look forward to it, and also the soccer season for Memphis. I don't want to see it starting up. You know, I know a lot of people don't care about the soccer in the city. I, I take that back. A lot of people may not care about Memphis. I don't want to see, or it's new. They don't know about it. But uh, the season's starting up there for the first preseason, couple of preseason games, and they have their first one in Autism Park uh, next Saturday. So, um, and I'm a part of that broadcast, so I help do all those games. So uh, it's always a fun. Um, a fun broadcast to do and always the team is super fun to watch. So um, that's what keeps you busy through the summer so, uh, soccer. So, Well, and the thing that I'll say as we wrap up here on the three D podcast, I can tell you from a decade of knowing Mark, people throw the term content creator, the label content creator around. It's hard to find, you know, folks who are on the same level as Mark. He's one of the, the, the one of the best in Memphis at creating content. So Mark, thanks for all you do. And thanks for joining us. If you'll stick around just for a few minutes, uh, but really appreciate you joining us this, this edition of the three D podcast, bud. Anytime, man. It's good to fun. It's always good to hear you guys. Uh, I listen to the show a lot and you guys do a good job um to podcast that i started a long time ago you guys took over so um congratulations because it's it's always a good one you guys always do a great job so keep keep it up and i appreciate it hey i can say the same thing about locked on grizzlies it's always nice when you have a long ride to work like i do to be able to have a podcast to listen to every day so i appreciate your work as well for Mark King, again, you can find him on Twitter at King underscore producer. Uh, locked on Grizzlies at Locked on Grizz. Locked on Grizzlies or Locked on Grizz? I always forget, Mark. Locked on Grizzlies. There you go. You can find all that and Mark on Twitter um, as well as various um, avenues of social media. For Mark King, my name is Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the 3 d Podcast. <laughs>